Nation Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the Combination Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. Live. Hi, once again, it's Michael Adams, Old Religion Dystopia, with my friend and brother in Christ, Derek Hallett, for another teaching. Sounds like we're going to be talking about Adam's curse, what we're all living with and dealing with <laughs> in our lives. And uh, Derek, thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, I guess we could start out in prayer here, and then we'll we'll hit the pavement. And uh, so, hear what you have to say here. Uh, Dear Father, Almighty God, hello, hello. Hello. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, that you remove every principality and power, every demonic force, Lord, for we know that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Well, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you shut him down right now. I pray that you bind and shackle him. I pray, Lord, that he not interrupt your word from getting through to your people. In the name of Jesus, Lord, in your shed blood, I claim dominion over the enemy that he released these airwaves, that he sets this thing free. I pray, Lord, get out, demon, in the name of Jesus. Go, flee from here that he be set free. Let this show be set free, Lord. The devil can't stop what you need to do. The devil can't bind what you're trying to do. I pray in Jesus' name that you remove the demonic presence, all principalities, all powers, all demons out of hell, all spiritual wickedness in high places, all world rulers in Jesus' name. Bind them this very moment. And set this show free, Lord, that people may hear your truth. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, Mike, are you there? Hey. You can hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, so this is what we're going to do, brother. Uh, I'm just going to. Uh, there's something going on in my end. Mm-hmm. It's still being rec- it's the show still being recorded. So and apparently you haven't hung up, so you're still live. So I'm just going to just hand it over to you because apparently on my end uh, there's issues going on, and uh, you know mm-hmm. I've been experiencing spiritual attacks all week, so uh, I'm not surprised that that's the case. So. Well, it looks like we're hitting pay dirt, so this is beautiful. <laughs> okay, I'm just let going you go. somewhere with it. Okay. Just don't just, just don't count on me, uh, you know, as far as, you know, 
you know, chiming in there. and everything. Yeah. Yeah, because they're they're hanging up on my end. So, but they're not hanging up on your end or uh, on Sarah's end. So, hey, Sarah, this is what we're going to do if you're game for it. Maybe this is. Why don't? Uh, yeah. Sarah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hang tight, because I think what he's going to do is he's going to have us interact on the show because he's getting shut down. Gotcha. I think that's what he's going to try and do, and that's actually okay. As long as the word gets out, as long as what's done is done, you know? Yep. Amen to that. So we're going to give it a couple of minutes, and then we're going to get right in it. I'm just going to go for it. You know, and just continue. Right. Lord, I just want to see if he comes back in real quick. We'll give it two minutes and then we'll get going. All right. Sorry, that was me. See, this is how you know that the enemy is against us. Mm-hmm. If we were preaching trash, if Mike wasn't doing what he was doing and we weren't doing what we were doing, there wouldn't be any, you know, any distractions. Exactly. We'd be, we would yeah, Joel I mean, Osteen, we would be great. Isn't that the truth? The devil knows the real gospel because that's the only one he's going to attack. Mm-hmm. All right, he says it's being recorded, so let's just go into prayer. Let's just get started. All right. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've given me with my brother Michael. Although he's experiencing technical issues, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you bind the prince of the power of the air and his demonic forces that are trying to go against this show. For the devil knows, Lord, that we're teaching the truth. The devil knows that people are being reached, but he's going to only attack that which is not like him, as Jesus said. So I pray, Lord, that this word gets out to the hearers. I pray that no flesh be glorified. I pray that no man's heart be heard, but only by your spirit, Lord, that you may reach the people in their minds and in their hearts, that they may give their lives unto you. For all you care about, Lord, is winning souls. So in the name of Jesus, I pray that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit that is against you in Jesus' name, I pray that you bind them. I pray that you cast them out. I pray, Lord, that they have no influence over what's going on here. Open the eyes of those who can't see and the ears of those who can't hear. And I pray, Lord, that whoever this individual is, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you bind him. I pray, Lord, that you cast the devil right out of him. I pray that you set your people free, Lord, for no one can stop the gospel. 
You said this gospel will be of the kingdom will be preached through all the world, and then the end shall come. Yeah. So yeah. if that is what you have proclaimed, if that is what you call us to do, to go and preach the gospel to every creature, then there's no demon out of hell that is going to stop it from happening. So get out of the way. Move in the blood and the authority of Jesus Christ. I'm taking authority over every spirit here that is meaning to do harm to the kingdom of God. Burn them, break them down, Lord, grind them to powder, and cast them out so that this show will continue. So you are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and you are worthy of all praises. Let every spirit, let every person, let every living thing or non-living thing bow the knee for you truly are who you say you are. Lord, do these things, we pray, for your glory and your honor. Let the Holy Ghost be here strong and speak and teach that we might teach others. Do it, Lord, because you can and because you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so go ahead, sorry. (laughs) That's fine, I was just going to pray real quick. Um, Heavenly Father, I come to you this evening in Jesus' name. Lord God, I just want to thank you for another opportunity that we have to uh, teach and to preach your gospel. And Lord, as it's spoken of tonight, this obviously has to be the truth, or Satan would would not be trying to stop it. Lord God, I am also praying in the name of Jesus that you will bind up all those spirits that come against your gospel, that come against your people. That, Lord, we can move forward in you in everything that we do. And I pray that our, our thoughts and our conversations and everything that we do only be for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. And I pray that your truth will reach the masses far and wide, Lord God. So that way the kingdom of heaven can come all the sooner. And now I'm praying for destruction to come swiftly, Lord. This is the ultimate path of everyone that follows you, and we have to know where our faith lies in you, Lord Jesus Christ, that if we were to, to, to die tonight and stand before you, why would we enter into the kingdom of heaven? What would you allow us? Why would you allow us to go in, Lord Thank Jesus you, Christ? Lord. Yes, Lord. And I'm, and I'm praying, Lord God, that our faith stands upon your truth and only your truth, Lord Jesus Christ, and not by... Man's words, not by man's wisdom. It only has to be by the truth of Jesus Christ in your gospel. So break us free, Lord Jesus Christ, from any traditions of man. Break us free from any false doctrines or false pastors or false prophets in these days, Lord God, that we stand firmly upon you, no matter what happens, no matter the trials and tribulations or persecutions. Thank you, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, for saving our lives, Lord God, and we're here tonight, and if we can hear this message clearly, and that means that, Lord God, we have been willing to do your will and your word, but we've got to stay faithful to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Guide us and lead Lord. us in your truth always, that we follow after you. In Jesus Christ, in your holy name I pray, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, when you get the chance, like, move your mouth closer because it sounded kind of mumbled, so I didn't know if you were like, you know, clearer or not, but it was kind of coming through a little mumbled, so I'm just telling you that for the time being. All right, so tonight, guys, what we're going to discuss, I know my brother Michael Adams is tuning in, you know, but tonight what we're going to discuss is Adam's curse. Adam's curse, okay, which is something that, you know, my brother and I were joking about 
before we came on, even though it's not a laughing matter, but it's what we're all living in today. It's why we experience great pain. It's why we go through so much. It's why we're trying to find the truth in times such as these, and it's why the world itself is corrupting to hell because of Adam's curse. Okay, so we're going to get started in this, and we're going to really break it down piece by piece so that people have some understanding of what this thing is about. And as, of course, you know, when the time comes, we will inject Jesus Christ because he is the only remedy for a falling, dying people. And in order for us to understand where we are, we need to understand our forefather, Adam, okay, and what he did and what effects it had on us so that you may recognize when people say life is hard, no, life became hard. Life wasn't hard from the beginning, okay? Man was responsible for how life turned out because he handed over the keys to the enemy. But we've got a real hero in real time, a real messiah, a real God that has come to redeem the people of God that they don't have to live in Adam's curse. Okay, so from here, let's get started. I want to go to Genesis 1, and let's look at verse 26. Genesis 1 and 26. Started 25. All right. All right, Genesis 1 and 25, and it says, And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So right away we recognize the creation when God put it together, it was good. And when it means that it was good, it was talking about being pure, good, pleasant, agreeable. Okay, and it talks about rich in value and estimation, good, appropriate, becoming better. So it was continuing to get greater and greater. And I'm not saying that it needed to um, get better, but we know when the Bible says when he spoke, it came to be. He commanded and it stood fast. What we're discussing is God's growth. What we're discussing is God's uh, fruitfulness. And that's what I mean by good, okay, and getting better, that it became fruitful, that it was able to bring forth beast after their kind. So the beast would go and multiply and continue the process of life that was only given by God. Look at verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. So right away, let us. It wasn't just God the Father there. It was God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So as you can see, God gave us a big inheritance. He says, let us make man in our image. Now, you know that the angels of God were not made in the image of God. However God made them, he made them. But what we've got to understand is man was given a special place that he was made in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. When you go to Ezekiel, you know, the Bible makes clear, Ezekiel 1, that Adam, that God kind of looked like Adam, but Adam was like a le to a lesser degree. But God you know, um, we were made in his image. 
So that's important to recognize. The creator of the universe, the creator of all that is, made you and I in his image. Now, I think that we look a little different today because of the fact that we're not the original creation, and, you know, we're going to discuss that. But it's important that we recognize what God gave man right out of the gate. So verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Now the Bible stops playing right there, and it says it created him. So out of what God created, male and female created God them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So let's look at that word, have dominion. That word is rada. That's Hebrews uh, 7, or Hebrews 7, 2, 8, 7. And it means to rule, have dominion, dominate, tread down, to have dominion, rule, subjugate, to cause, to dominate, okay, to scrape out, to scrape out, okay? Now, when it tells us that we ought to have dominion over the earth, God's intentions, because first he made man in his image, and then gave Adam a help me, which was Eve. The amazing thing is God meant for Adam to rule the earth as God ruled the heavens. Now, some people can say, well, man does rule the earth. Look at all he's doing and look at all he has. Yeah, but look at what he's doing with his rulership. He's oppressing others. He's corrupting. He's destroying. He's trying to take power over all that is. But the Bible says here in verse 28 that God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That word for replenish, because a lot of people try and say there was a pre-Adamic race, I don't believe that. Okay? Um, The word for replenish here, that word, I believe, was changed in the 1800s to mean what it means today. The word replenish simply meant to plenish. Okay, so people can get that idea out of their minds that the earth was ruled by something else. We've got to take God's word as a whole. And it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so that was the beginning. So stop trying to read more into this than there actually is other than understanding what God's word says. Okay, so look at what he gave us that, Look at look at verse twenty nine. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of the tree uh, yielding seed to you, oh to you, and it shall be for me, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. So as we can see at this point, man was vegetarian. That's neither here nor there. But, you know, there wasn't even a murder of the animals in order for man to be sustained. God gave us a garden that we could live in, that we could eat from, and that we wouldn't desire anything more. Now, we know that that law has been overturned, but we got to understand that God didn't even want the animals being killed for any purpose while man was good with God. Verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was not just good, but very good. 
and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So as you can see, this is what God did. He built the creation. Now we're going to dig into what the creation of God truly is. Okay, what we're going to do with it is um, explain or, or go through how man became, how man started as he was and became otherwise. Okay, so let's go a little further. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 2, right next door. All right, let's begin in verse 7. So it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So as you can see, God formed the body. God breathed, meaning placed his spirit into Adam. That word is roach, which means spirit. God breathed his spirit into Adam, and Adam became a living soul. What is a living soul? A mind, a will, and emotions. That is what Adam became when God breathed his spirit into him. So what did God want Adam to be? Just like himself, like a miniature, a miniature lesser version of God. That's what man was supposed to be. As he told man to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, what you see man doing now is trying to cut the population down to 500 million, and there's 7.5 or 6 billion people here. Now you've got all kinds of lies being made up about, you know, a baby is not really, or an embryo is not really a baby, so we might as well just cut it down and, and make it what it is, you know. We might as well try and depopulate. It's a woman's right to choose. So as you can see, man has become quite corrupted in this society today when God meant for him to be plenty. And when I looked up a fact that, I think they said maybe 70% of this earth is uninhabited or there's plenty of room for people to live. And they say that we're overpopulated. There's plenty of food on shelves and things that people throw out today and don't want anything to do with. I mean, where do you think all the bad food goes? So obviously there's plenty of food. There's, there's plenty of land, good land, that people could actually feed themselves. There's no reason why anybody should be starving today or deprived of anything. But when the devil rules the kingdom, we're going to get there. But when he runs the show, you best believe that everything God told us to do, the devil will do the, quite the opposite. Why? Because he is the antithesis of God. So he says in verse 8, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man in whom he had formed. So where did the man come from? God placed him in the garden, and he made man from the earth. And out of the ground made the Lord God uh, to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight of good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God planted everything that they needed. He placed man there. You know, and he told man, you know, hey, here's the tree of life, here's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But every pleasant thing that they would want was in this garden. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. So all Adam had to do and all they had to do was just watch God's work and live in it. Sounds a lot like the Holy Ghost today. All we've got to do is watch God's work and live in it. No one had to water the ground. The ground was watered. Everything was taken care of because it was it was full of God's power and life. Verse 11, the name of the first is Pison, 
that is it. I mean, that it is, that is it, sorry, uh, which compasseth the whole land and Havilah where there is gold. Now, you remember the teaching we did a while back, maybe over a year ago, a little over a year ago. It was called the Four Rivers of the Garden of Eden. Anybody interested in learning more about that? Go to Sound of Trumpet Ministries, soundoftrumpetministries.com, and look up a teaching called the Four Rivers of the Garden of Eden. But what it, what the first river you remember? It meant um, it meant uh, oh man, <laughs> I hate when I can't get into this. That's why I shouldn't mix stuff up. But you know the first garden or the first um, river, it meant increase. Okay, which is kind of what we get when we're born again and we rely on God to give us everything that we're going to need. And the second was Havilah, okay, and that meant, you know, like circle or it meant like bursting forth. Okay, so what we got to understand is first we get the increase, which is God's spirit. The second is bursting forth. Okay, sounds a lot like our purpose. Then it says uh, where there is gold and the gold of that land is good. There is delium uh, and the onyx stone. So, I mean, this was such a fruitful land full of precious stones and everything. I mean, it was just so abundant. And the name of the second river is Jehan, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, the same uh, is it compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. So it's not Havilah, I'm sorry. It's actually um, Jehan, and that means bursting forth, okay? So look at verse um, 14. And the name of the third river is Hedekel, uh, which is, um, it means rapid. So it means like kind of, you know, you're um, increased by God, then you're bursting forth full of the spirit, and then now you're heading like to rapid, in other words, dashing or darting towards your purpose, okay? You're, you're moving and doing what God tells you to. And then it says, that it is which goeth toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates, which means fruitfulness. Okay, so this is the walk of a Christian, but they didn't even have to do this. All these things were given. So just how we go through the born-again experience of, one, getting to know God, letting him change our nature, filling us with his spirit, and then giving us purpose to the point of fruitfulness, this is what Adam and Eve were bathed in. This is what they lived in. This was the inheritance of God that Jesus Christ is trying to give back. So this is really awesome for us to understand and recognize this. So it says, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. So where did God place him? In the spirit, what we would consider today, in the presence of God and all of his abundance, to dress it and to keep it. So it's just how today we have to work on our bodies concerning the Lord to be dressed and to be kept, all right? Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Okay, so it is important that we understand that God gave Adam only one commandment. You can eat of the tree, uh, the trees of life and every other tree of the garden. Hey, Adam, take your pick. It's all yours. 
But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which we know later is the fruit of Satan, God says, don't eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you will die. Okay, so, you know, basically, I know that what God was telling Adam is, Adam, just stay with me. You're good. Just stay with me. Don't partake in anything that is not of my nature. And as we can see, that tree of knowledge of good and evil today grew into all sorts of things. But this is where, you know, God instructed Adam that Adam may be productive. All right, so he says in verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should uh, be alone. I will make him and help me for him. So as you can see, Adam had dominion long before Eve came along. So all Eve was supposed to do was to aid Adam and what God commanded Adam to do. Let's remember this. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So let's look at this. God didn't say, Adam, I want you to name these animals what I tell you to name them. God gave Adam dominion and said, I'm going to bring you the animals, and you may name them what you want to. So now you know even how the angels got their names, God named them. Well, now that these animals also came from the ground which Adam came God gave Adam dominion over all the earth. So whatever came out of the ground had to yield to Adam and be named by Adam. So this is awesome how God has man on earth being like he is in heaven because all earth was supposed to be was an extension of God, of the heavens. Okay, so he says in verse 20, and Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field, but to Adam there was not found any help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof, I mean, instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. So as you notice, even Adam's helpmeet, even Eve, came out of Adam. Okay, Adam was an extension of God. God created Adam, and everything else had to come from that. So all Eve was supposed to be was like Adam, you know, and, and to serve and help him and what he was doing. And I don't mean serve like a slave, but I mean like, you know, she was meant to aid Adam in this being fruitful being and multiplying and replenishing the earth, whatever work God gave Adam, all right? And Adam said, and, and, oh, this is verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Okay, so the reason why a woman is a woman is because she's from the womb of a man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Because at this point, folks, sin did not exist. Sin was not something that man had to deal with. So God could put them together, gave them no commandment other than giving Adam dominion, 
and Eve naturally flowed along with what Adam's purpose was. The animals even had to obey because they were also made from the dust from the earth. So let's remember this. Sarah, you want to add anything before we go over to Genesis 3? It's really interesting because, you know... Can you move your mouth closer or it's just hard for you to be heard? Is this better? Yeah, somewhat. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. Um, But it's just interesting how even, and this is not to put women down, but if you notice that the animals were even created before the women came forth. And, Mm -hmm. but it's everything at this time, and I'm not trying to push up humanism or new age or anything like this, but man being created from the dust of the earth and so are the animals, and then the woman coming from man, it was almost as if they were all connected at one time with God. Exactly. And then after the fall, everything became disconnected because we were all disconnected from God. Exactly. You know, and maybe it's just like maybe where you're sitting or whatever like that, but you are kind of coming in muffled. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you put it on speaker, it may sound a little bit different. But um, this is Genesis 3. Genesis 3, let's look at verse 1. Derek? Yeah. Yes. Sarah Sarah sounds pretty good on my end. Okay, so then it might just be muffled from me then. I'm glad you're back, bro. For now, it's been dropped off at least a dozen <laughs> times so far. So. <laughs> All right, sounds good. So this is Genesis 3, and let's look at verse 1. And it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So notice, if Satan here is pretending to be a snake, then that snake was supposed to fall in line with all the other cattle. Okay, so the funny thing in here, it kind of almost seems like even Adam had dominion over Satan. You know, but let's just, um, I just want to stay on on track, but it is kind of funny here that he went to Eve before he even consulted Adam. So he knew by the way that headship is supposed to be run that if there's anything going on there in the kingdom, okay, on the earth, that Satan was supposed to talk to Adam or whoever this serpent was, which the Bible later explains, it is. All right, verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. All right? And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he, excuse me, and he did eat. So what we got to understand here is, is that, Adam um, wasn't even present when Eve made the decision. Now, if Eve was supposed to be a helpmeet to Adam, then Eve should have consulted Adam before making any decision. So what the devil actually did to Eve was puff her up in pride, get her outside of command authority, okay, and let her act on her own accord 
to what was pleasant to her. He didn't just get Eve focused on himself or focused on herself, but he even Mm -hmm. took her away from the authority of Adam. Okay, so right now she's acting on her own, and it made clear that Adam was there. Okay? And she gave it to Adam who was with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Okay? And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So, you know, this Adam isn't sounding anything like what was made. Adam had dominion. He could walk anyway. He could communicate with the animals. He would dictate what would go on and what and the authority that God gave him. Now he's hiding himself amongst the trees with his wife, okay, because they're in shame and they disobeyed God. And the Lord God called unto Adam. So he didn't call Eve. He called Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. So what we already understand about Adam is he's afraid, okay? And he's hiding from the command and the authority of God. So Adam totally turned around and became something different than what God originally made. And unfortunately, this is the man that we have today. So look at verse 11. And he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? So right away, when God spoke to Adam, it was very direct. Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from this tree whereof I commanded you that you should not eat? And Adam should have, you know, he could have just come straight out and said, yes, Lord, I did. You see, that would have been the man that God made. But instead, what you have here is, and the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Okay, so right away, Adam became a coward. Right away, Adam is blaming someone that was supposed to be under his jurisdiction, under his authority, that she's responsible for what he did. So he left her hanging in some ways because he's trying to save his own skin. So you can say right now at this point, Adam is a type of antichrist because he is loving self. He's not even worrying about his wife. So he blamed her, okay? Verse 12 or verse 13, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So Eve recognized that she was tricked, and she ate. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, notice he didn't ask the serpent one thing. Why? Because he had no interaction with the serpent. The serpent was never given authority or not even a part of that original plan. So right away, he didn't ask the serpent anything. The Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, Thou art cursed above all cattle and upon and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So let's get some understanding here. God recognized once the Satan, once the serpent 
was acknowledged for doing what he did, God knew that because man had sinned, that this would be a part of man until the day that he died. Why? Because God made him good, obeying his spirit. But the devil, through his subtlety, changed their very nature. Because they had disobeyed God once, that was all it took for their very nature to be changed, and they went out of order with the original creation. All right, so let's understand that. And he said that he would put enmity between thee and the woman, between the serpent seed and the woman seed. So what we understand is from this day forward, the serpent would have a seed because there would be those or everyone really that would be born like the serpent because they obeyed, sin entered into their genetics, and they were able to pass that along. So as you can see, the devil destroyed what God had made. So he says, and I will put enmity between the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This was one of the, this is the first prophecy that God ever gave to man to let him know, okay, man, you blew it. And now I'm at war with the serpent because you guys didn't obey what I told you to do. So now through the, through the loins of Eve, I'm going to send my son that will crush the head of the serpent, that man will be redeemed. So God didn't give up on them, but God made it very clear that it was going to be a hard road up the hill from this point on. All right? So then he says um, in verse 16, unto the woman. So now he's taking it right back up where, he, where it went down. It started with Adam. He, um, he learned with Eve what she did. And then came where he um, ruled against Satan. Now he's taking it right back up from serpent, woman, to man. All right? And he says unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, some people bring the question forward, well, does that mean that Eve was able to do whatever she wanted before then? Yes and no. She was given a right to do what she wanted because God knew that he made her good and that she wouldn't do anything that would be against Adam. So now that she has fallen and lured her husband into what they did, now God has to give laws. He's almost got to treat them in some ways like, I wouldn't say animals, but he's got to lay down laws now because they're lawless. They have broken the laws of God, allowing sin into them, so now they've got to be trained. So he made clear that there will be sorrow in your conception, so you'll never forget this when you bear children. And he says, your desire shall be to your husband. So you've got to learn now, as a woman, how to obey your husband. That's important stuff. And then he says, and he shall rule over thee. So now that you've got this new independence that you found from Satan, you better learn how to get back in line with what I gave you. And it's not going to be easy, but just I'm letting you know now who's in charge when you were created to know who was in charge. Verse 17, and unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. So let's understand this. It wasn't just about eating of the tree, but, but Adam yielded his authority over to his wife. And this is why God is judging him. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and has eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not, thou shalt not eat of it. 
Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Okay, so because Adam was made from the ground, and God made everything from the ground and gave Adam dominion over it. Let's understand this, that the ground is now cursed because the ruler of the ground is cursed. So we've got to understand this even in terms of ministry and where we may go with God and how God wants us to, one, be full of his spirit and be converted, like he told Peter, that we may convert others. Okay, so if we're not living in the truth, if we're not walking in the truth, if we're not up under God's proper headship, then everything under us will be cursed. Everything that we um, give dominion to, I mean, or everything that we allow to rule over us will curse you if it's not God. So we're just going to bring this forward. Maybe I'm chopping this up too much, but I'm just trying to give understanding that because of Adam's sin, because Adam was thinking of himself and how he felt about Eve and did not hearken unto the voice of God, he, he ended up becoming an idolater and giving it all over unto the serpent. Does that make sense? Sarah, if you want to add anything, you can. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That makes perfect sense because this is something that we would we will continue to see this throughout Scripture because if you think about it, uh, the children of Israel, they did the same mm-hmm. thing because why? They wanted to uh, to hearken unto what the how the Egyptian or how the heathen lived, and uh, even outside of Moses, but even like Aaron, you know, he hearkened unto the people, and mm-hmm. uh, so what happened to them? They had to fall into bondage many a times. They had to fall until the the final time where God was like, why do I even? bother with chastising you because it's not doing you any good and so they would be be scattered abroad but this was like what 400 and something years plus of of his grace upon their lives and they still wouldn't get it so his his children his bride at that time would still do the same thing and it would be a continuous cycle into what we have to this very day so yeah Exactly, you know, and this is one of those things where he says, sorrow shalt thou eat. He said the ground is cursed, and then sorrow shalt thou eat all the days of our life. So when people want to say, how can God allow these wicked things to happen to people? How can God allow all this stuff to take place that, that we know to be wicked today? You've got to understand this is not what God made. Okay, God intended for man to be good and to live as good. All that you see today, Adam is responsible for, and because of that, we are living under a curse. This is why we need joy instead of happiness. This is why we need peace instead of just calm and quiet. We need to have God's spirit today to take us through life because life has become a battlefield. Okay, look at verse... uh, Let's see, verse uh, 18. He said, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. So thorns and thistles would be sin. Thorns and thistles would be, you know, war. It would be sickness. It would be so many things. Like, you know, life would just become so hard at this point. 
all because man didn't give it to God. And then he says, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. So Adam would have to work for a living now when God gave him everything that he would need. All Adam needed to do was yield to the Lord. And this is what's unfortunate about life today is the devil has made some people proud in their careers, not even recognizing that they're under a curse. You got people walking around, and it's so funny how when we don't give God the things that God gave us, isn't it amazing how we become proud and, and, and we start looking for our education to take care of us? We look for science to tell us the truth. We look for so many different things that are not of God to believe in when God was all we needed. All Adam and Eve needed was the tree of life, which is none other than Jesus Christ. But you see, and they could have been, you know, just someone that was good. They didn't need to know everything. They didn't need to have knowledge of everything. They were good. They were given dominion. They could have wrote their own stuff up, and God would have okayed it as long as it was within his spirit. So God never meant for man to be ruled by laws, ruled by knowledge, ruled by all these different things. God gave man a nature that man could live by that God would be glorified. All right, so this is, this is what's unfortunate. We're fighting for things that we were once given. So he says, in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground. So until you die, this is how you will live. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So, man, what a miserable situation when God told them that all they needed to do was be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. All man was meant to do was live. And what Adam did in his transgression, because the Bible made clear that Adam knew what was going on, Eve didn't. But because he wasn't being the man that God made him, because he wasn't the ruler that he was supposed to be, because he put something in front of God, this is where we all go. This is where we all are. And unfortunately, this is where we will be until we give our lives to Jesus Christ and be made over that we might live like Christ. All right? So let's look at... uh, Verse 20, and Adam called his wife, his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. So he named his wife unto Adam also, and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So God, you know, uh, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Ghost, they're all here like, you know, man has become like us. Like this is a bad situation because man now will strive for good and evil and go after the things that he wants. But there's a problem now. Man has sinned in his nature. So now man would rebel, write his own laws, do his own things, go according to what he saw was right in his eyes. And because of that, You know, God is like, this is a bad situation, because if he touches the tree of life, he's going to live this way forever. So this is something to think about. If we were to touch the tree of life in our deprived state, man would continue to be this way. Verse 23, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground, 
from whence he was taken. So God had to drive him out to remove him from his presence because God would never again allow someone like that to be in his presence. He would never again allow anyone that wanted to do their own things and live their own lives and, and consider what uh, and go according to what they consider righteous in his presence again. Now you know, folks, why we got to seek the face of God. Now you know why we got to fast and pray through for a breakthrough. Now you know why, though it seems like no matter what we go through, we've got to consult the Lord for all that is when God gave Adam dominion over the earth. Now you know why sometimes you pray cold and other times you pray hot. Now you know why we got to stay connected to the vine, which is Jesus Christ. All because of what Adam did, God would not allow that in his presence again. Verse 24, and so he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So you see, God wasn't kidding. This is also God's love and mercy that he had to kick Adam out because he didn't want Adam to stay how he was. And you see, from out of Adam's loins, because of this sin, came Cain and Abel came the children that went against God, you know, and um, uh, that, that rebelled against God and slept with these fallen angels and demons and these giants to, to have the whole earth. I mean, you didn't have to go three more chapters before you saw the earth was just about done, that every man, woman, and child was wicked. What was in man's heart was only evil continually. Genesis 6 says, that man was deprived, man was wicked, man was cursed and making things worse. That God had to take a man named Noah and his three sons and, and get them into a place where they could be clear to have them to build an ark so that he could flood the earth and he could start over. This was not God's plan. God wanted man to be fruitful and multiply, but Satan took the authority of God, because Adam handed it over to him, and, Adam, and, and Satan made the world deprived, wicked. But this is also an example to us that the devil cannot do to us what we won't allow to happen if we give our authority of Christ over to him. So I want to move forward. I don't want to stay on this, but I just want people to understand what this curse is about, why life is so hard, why you can be a millionaire in Hollywood and work yourself to perfection and then go and get hooked on drugs or kill yourself. Look at Kate Spade. Look at the other guy that died the other day. Look at all these people. Man, you don't live and last in this life aside from the tree of life. Everything that you will do, as we talked about in that Matrix teaching, would be for nothing. All this life is for is to help you lose your mind unless you find the mind of Jesus Christ that he can make you over and that you will not be affected by this world. Sarah, if you don't have anything to add, or Mike, I don't know if you guys are there or not, but if not, let's move forward. I want to go to Second Chronicles 16, and let's look at verse 9. I had one thing to add, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, Galatians 5. Were you going to read that at all? No. Okay. Well, back to where it's a constant battle now 
um, as we know, as we've talked about before, but Galatians 5 and 17, or let's look at 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So from the beginning, as we're reading here in Galatians, and this was what, a few thousand years later? You know, a couple thousand years later um, that this was written. So as we're seeing this, um, or like 4,000. But as we're seeing this, now we're having the battle of the, the flesh and the spirit constantly warring against one another through that one sinful act. And that's what we're, we're still dealing with today in our own bodies, you know? Absolutely. And, and the worst, the, the scariest thing about that is, is that that war doesn't begin until you find Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? So really, you are ruled by the flesh all your life until you come to Christ, that you have the spirit to try and grow in and build in to war against the flesh. So a lot of people that are walking around unsaved, you're not even in the battle. You might be working for the enemy, but your spirit and your flesh are not warring. Only your flesh is dictating what you do, and your soul may have a conscience to say, you know, this isn't right. You know, but in order to gain that source of life or that refuge, You've got to give your life to Jesus so that you might have that spirit awakened in you that you will obey God. And I'm glad you brought up Galatians 5 because the Bible talks about the fruit that Adam and Eve had partaken in. You know, Mm -hmm. adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, uncleanness, you know, idolatry, wrath, strife, seditions, all these different things that man ended up having, but he wasn't supposed to from the beginning. Okay, and then when he talks about the fruit of the spirit, which is Adam and Eve, what they were given by God because they were good, they had love, they had joy, they had peace, they had long suffering, they had goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and faith. The Bible says for such there is no law. So when they walked in the fruit of the spirit, which is what God gave them, there was no need for laws. Now you've got all sorts mm-hmm. of laws and things that we're fighting for for the truth because we have become corrupted, okay? So this is what Jesus came back to give us. What the devil had taken away was that spirit that we may partake in those fruit, that we may be guided by God and have our understanding cleared from a world of wickedness, evil, and deception. Great point, okay? So if you look at... Uh, Second Chronicles 16, let's look at verse 9, and it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to shoot himself strong and, and I mean, in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him, wherein thou, art do, thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Okay, so this is big because this is kind of what we're dealing with now. God is looking for a man or a woman to put his spirit in that he, that can represent him. But look at how he's searching for a man. He's searching for someone who will stand up and believe. And he says, because they have dealt foolishly, thou shalt have wars. So before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no wars. Everything was perfect. Everything was fine. But after Adam and Eve had sinned, 
Then there became the battle between Cain and Abel, the angels and the Lord, you know, and everything else. And, I mean, should we go into Egypt? Should we go into David and Goliath? Goliath shouldn't have even been around, okay? But the, the whole point is, is that these things began, and this is why God is looking for someone in this earth to be strong and to represent him. This is the curse of Adam that God now has to look for a man because Adam gave up his manhood to help his wife or to serve her instead of the living God. Let's look at um, 1 Kings 2, and let's look at verse 1. I just want to bring up these points before we continue. But you see, this is one of the problems with men today, why men can't be strong, why men can't stand up to their wives, why men are becoming effeminized. Because this is what this this happened with Adam. This is what we're fighting with today. This is why we have to try and determine what is for God and what is for man. Because of the sin of Adam. And you know, that's why we'll get there, but I just want to make this point real quick. This is first Kings two. We're beginning at verse 1, and I want everybody to look at the warning that David gives his son Solomon. Now the days of David drew nigh, so David's dying, that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. So I'm dying just like everybody else. Be thou strong, therefore, and shew thyself a man. Be a man. Be a leader. Be someone that is up under God doing what God says, because that's the only true man that exists. For the unsaved men of the world, you might be a male, but you're not a man until Christ becomes your head. So he's telling um, Solomon, hey, be strong. You know, don't give in to your weaknesses and shew yourself a man. Verse 3, he says, and keep the charge of the Lord, the commandments, thy God, to walk in his ways to keep his statutes and um, his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that thou mayest proper, I mean, prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue. So why did he ask him to do this, to follow the Lord in all his judgments and statutes? Look at verse 4, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth, which all their heart and with all their soul, I mean, with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. So Solomon would be a proper or righteous king and prosperous king before God. If one, he yielded to the commandments of God, and he walked in his ways. So, you know, the same Solomon, the same uh, thing that David has given Solomon is what God tried to give Adam and Eve, that they would walk as God walked so that they would be prosperous, okay? But he's telling him, hey, be a man. Stay up under the Lord, and look at what he said in 4. He said, man, be in truth with all your heart and with all your soul before God. And, and he said that uh, there shall not fail thee. So you won't fail God. Understand this, people, but you can't do this outside of the spirit of Christ. You can't fail God if you give him all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and your strength. Jesus says, 
That is the first and great commandment of the law. The second, love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay, and he says, and on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And you can hang Adam right along there with it. Because Adam, okay, didn't love the Lord thy God with all of his heart, mind, and soul. Now, someone can say, that's not written, so how can you say that? I can say that because Adam didn't obey the commandments that God gave him. And he definitely didn't love Eve by letting her do what she did. If he was standing right there, which the Bible made clear he was, then Adam should have told Eve no, took the authority, and walked in the ways of God. Okay, so this um, rebellion began with not first loving God more than anything and not loving Eve enough to get in the way between her and the enemy. And this is what Christians struggle with today. Adam's curse. We don't want to offend. We want to be liked. We want everybody to appreciate us. We want to show cowardice called love, okay, just to try and go along to get along. That's not what God is looking for. God is looking for who will stand in the gap, who will be strong. What man will show himself a man that he may represent God and tell all that is so that folks might get saved? And people telling themselves they love the Lord and you won't stand for the Lord, you're a liar, okay? You're a liar because if you love the Lord with everything, you'll stand for him. And that's something that we all need to understand. So let's go forward. Let's go to uh, Ezekiel 22, and let's look at verse 29. I just want to make these points before we run through this. Ezekiel 22 and 29, he says, The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. So this sounds a lot like the society we live in today. Look at verse 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it but I found none. Okay, so what we ought to understand is this is Adam's curse. This is what's going on. When man puts things between he and God, man's heart becomes faint, and he can't serve the Lord like God wants. So now you know why the devil came to tempt Adam, I mean, well, tempt Adam and Eve, but he also came to tempt Jesus. He showed Jesus the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And what happened from there? Jesus overcame them, and, and at that point, he returned in the power of the Spirit. Okay, so Jesus was everything that Adam should have been. But before we could see the potential of Adam, the devil wasn't taking any chances. He knew not to go to Adam, who God gave authority, because in Adam's eyes, and I want people to recognize this. In Adam's eyes, Satan was just a cattle. He's something he could have said, man, go on, keep your mouth shut, get out of here. All right, Adam had dominion, but, but Satan found a more subtle way. I'm going to approach Eve who doesn't have the authority. And once the authority went to Eve, it automatically went to Satan. So that's what people got to understand even in their homes. 
Even when the Bible makes clear that children become oppressors when women rule over them. And he says, O oh, my people, them that lead thee cause thee to err and to destroy the way of thy paths. The devil always attacks the men. He always goes after the men. And if he can't get to that man, you best believe he's going to use a woman to stop the man. This is an old trick. Look at how he used uh, Bathsheba taking a bath to delay David in war. David should have been out to war doing what God says. What was David doing? Watching a woman take a bath. Let his imagination run wild, and he got himself in all sorts of trouble. And not only did David curse himself, okay, but he ended up cursing his whole family. Solomon didn't become the way he did because he was just Solomon. I mean, Solomon had something else to work with, even though the Lord favored him and gave him a chance. But these are the thorns and thistles that we would end up fighting with because at one point we took what God gave us, which was so sacred, so special, and we spat on it for the sake of our own pleasures. And this is what the devil feeds man to do. If anybody wants to chime in, they can right now. If not, I'm going to move forward to 1 Kings chapter 11. All right. 1 Kings chapter 11, let's look at verse 1. Now, this is after the warning that David gave Solomon. But King Solomon loved many strange women, okay? So he didn't love the women of Israel. He loved women from other tribes that were not a part of God's laws, statutes, and commandments. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. So these were all the enemies of the children of Israel, and he thought just by, you know, making some of these women his concubines, which means a wife from another tribe, or he was messing around with, you know, all these different women that somehow, because he was king, he was going to keep his throne. Verse 2, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon claved unto these in love. So more like he claved to these in lust. You can't love a thousand women. You know, that's a lie. That's lust. But the thing here is, is that Solomon was warned to stay away from them because these women would turn away his heart after their gods. So you understand how important it is right now, how Eve pretty much turned Adam unto her God. Once Eve obeyed Satan, Eve was no longer under the dominion of Adam. Satan became her God. That's important that we get this because the same tactics that God used on Adam, he's now using on Solomon. But the only reason why the devil has dominion in the earth is because the men of God won't be the men of God. They're running after things that they shouldn't after their own pleasures. Look at verse 3. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, uh, and, his, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as, as was the heart of David his father. 
So David was known as a man after God's own heart. David was a type of Christ. David had his trials and his run, but he learned his lesson. He put his faith in God, and David never stopped loving the Lord. All you've got to do is read the Psalms of David, and you know when you compare that heart towards yours, we know that we got work to do. Okay, but Solomon, you know, started out asking the Lord for favors. Lord, I don't know whether to go in or come out. You know, um, give me wisdom. And God was pleased with Solomon. But you see, what turned Solomon away was his own lust, the very same thing that turned Adam away. So it says his heart wasn't perfect. Look at verse 5. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth. You guys want to know who Ashtoreth is? That's Easter. That's Ishtar. That's uh, Venus. That's Diana. That's who we celebrate for Easter. He went after Ashtoreth, who's another god, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, which is another name for Moloch or Nimrod, the abominations of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David, his father. So, you know, you can even look at Adam. Okay, Adam was the son of God at that point. But look at how Adam rebelled against God. Look at how Adam ended up going his own way. Adam thought he could disobey God and keep God and somehow keep Eve. Now, if Adam was really a man of God, he should have let Eve go and told the Lord, what, well, he should have intervened for one. But if she chose to go otherwise, then he could have just gone to the Lord. But you see, they stopped seeking God. And all we've got to do and to fall away today is to stop seeking the counsel of God. All right. Um, if you want to add anything, you can, because from here I'm going to, well, let me look at verse 7 first. Then did Solomon build in high place for Shemash, he's another name for Nimrod or Moloch, the abomination of Moab in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch and the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. So they got him to the point where he began to worship their gods. And how did the devil do this to old Solomon? through the pleasures, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. So it says in verse 9, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. And he commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Where, wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, that thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and I will give it to thy servant. So that's what we kind of understand. The same tactic that worked on Adam is working on Solomon. The same thing that is working on you and I today, okay, is being fed the world and the pleasures of the world, and then somehow in the middle of all this, we're just supposed to make some time for God. No, no, God is first in your life, and he determines who you marry, what you do, okay, how you do it, and where you might work if he so chose. And we've got to get back in line with what God calls us to do. First Corinthians chapter 11, Sarah, if you want to add anything, go ahead. If not, uh, Mike, you know, if you guys want to add anything, you can. 
but let's go to first uh, Corinthians chapter eleven. Yeah, I got something to add here. Um Matthew, you know, six and twenty four where it says, No man can serve two masters, for either That's he will right. hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon and also where it talks about the marriage supper where, you know, all these people made up excuses and these were supposed to the, the guy's supposed friends. And, you know, That's he's right. like, I, one said, I've got, you know, I just bought cattle. One said, I just bought, you know, property. The other one said, I just married a wife. And that's when he said, you know, go out into the highways and byways and get all those, the lame, the blind, and everyone else and bring them in. Because, that's right. you know, I mean, it's just, every, you know, everyone's got to have an understanding these days of the constant, like you're saying tonight, the constant walk that we have to, walk with Jesus Christ, and, you know, he even gives us continuous reminders. Uh, uh, Everything that we're seeing today, like with laws passing, saying you can't do this, or you can't read the Bible here, you can't talk about this there, constant reminders to us of what happened from the beginning. But it's also showing us that the Bible, instead of people getting discouraged, instead of Christians getting discouraged that all this is happening, we should actually be excited because it just shows the validity of the scriptures, exactly. you know, and, and so many people today, like you said numerous times before in Bible studies and other things, is that if we've got anything in this life that we want to accomplish, then the scriptures is going to offend us, because That's right. we, we don't we don't want this we don't want it to end. This, why would you not want you want to you you want to have back problems and headaches and all this kind of stuff forever? I would rather enter the kingdom of heaven where you don't have that, but a lot of people's hearts are not really in it. No, and that's what the world will do. will give us a faint heart away from the desires of God. And unfortunately, this is the curse. When your father Adam became an idolater, you were born an idolater. That's mm-hmm. why children are so selfish. You can't even find children to play with toys together. That's why parents are so selfish. They favor their children over God. This is all a part of the curse. When your child is doing wrong, no one can tell your child anything before you jump to their rescue and want to save them, aside from proper instruction. That Mm -hmm. is the curse of Adam. This is just one of many. But look at how we can become idolaters to things that God gave us. And then then you got old Abraham, who was a friend of God that was ready to sacrifice his own son for the Lord. Why? Because Abraham's heart was right with the Lord. And Abraham's father, Terah, was an idolater. That's what Abraham came from, but he found the Lord and wanted to serve the Lord. So you see, men of God, people not affected by the curse of Adam to this degree, they are rare. And that's what we've got to understand. We've got to seek the face of God again because God kicked Adam out nor will he allow anyone that is like Adam to come back into the midst. So we've got to go through what Jesus Christ called us to, is is fall in line with his proper headship and let him give us everything we need. No, we don't run the world and we won't run the world because that dominion has been given to the enemy. But one thing God can do is have his kingdom come through you, that you affect others and can be blessed in this place. Okay, because Edom's, Eden simply meant pleasure. To be honest with you, I never knew pleasure until finding Christ or Christ finding me. 
man, this is the only thing I enjoy to do. If I could talk about God all day, minister to people all day, go to foreign countries and tell people about Christ at the expense of my own life, that's the only thing that matters to me is that people find a life on this sinking ship that they may go over and, and choose Jesus that they may inherit eternal life. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 11. Look at verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. So Paul is telling the Corinthians, he's bringing it right back under subjection like God had from the very beginning. The head of every man is Christ. Now, you know that Christ is who made Adam. How do we know this? The Bible makes clear that everything, there was nothing made that was made except it was by Christ. All things were made by him and for him. Okay, so... You know, Adam um, <laughs> was made of Jesus Christ. So the head of Adam was Christ. Okay, now you know he wasn't always Jesus Christ, but he was the living word. All right, so it says, uh, Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. So when a woman acts outside of the authority of what God placed, it's almost like the woman being shaven. She might as well be shaven if she's not covered by God or by the authority. Verse 6, for if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not, for a man indeed ought not, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. So what do we see here? We see that man is made in the image of God and the glory of he is the glory of God. So Adam was made to glorify God. We are now made with, with the, the gift given by Jesus Christ to glorify God. But it makes clear that the woman is the glory of the man. So Eve was supposed to be to Adam what Adam was to God. And then you would have had the children fall in subjection perfectly, and everything would have been on the right accord. But when Rachel broke it, and this is why the devil's fighting so hard for feminism. That's the only reason why he's pushing all this stuff. That's why he's pushing homosexuality, because he's trying to take everybody out of the authority that God made. Why? So he can bring chaos, so we can bring this garbage about coexisting. You think God wanted to coexist with Adam in the Garden of Eden? If you think that, you're insane. That's why God told Adam, you know, he drove him out. You've got to go until I find a, a, another place for you, okay, until I find the remedy that you're supposed to have. God was not going to allow the tree of life to be touched by this, by, by something that he did not make as his creation. 
So the woman is the glory of the man. Look at 10. For this cause ought a woman to have power on her head, authority, because of the angels. So what do we understand here? Even angels understand proper headship. Now you know why one of them fell away to try and entice the woman over the man. So you see, even when it comes to spiritual warfare, even when it comes to um, ministry, that everything should be in proper headship so that even the angels would know to war for you. And this is why the angels fell away in Genesis 6. Everybody was doing what they wanted to do. You know headship wasn't proper there because the, the angels would have never even had power over the women. Okay, so as long as Adam was the representative of God on earth, there was nothing that the enemy could do, could do until Adam obeyed his wife. Now, I know some people are going to say today, well, why are you pushing that point? Are you saying that a woman can't give her opinion? If she's in help me, she can give an opinion. But the final authority will be what that husband said, okay? And, and I'm sorry if people don't like this, but this is all a part of the curse that a woman even thinks that it should be a different way. That's a curse. So this is what he's working out in us so that way everything could fall in headship. Because if he says the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God, then that means if things are running in that order, that even the angels would acknowledge, this is improper headship, let me get to work. Because this is right in the structure of what God made. And that's why you're going to have a collapsed economy, folks. That's why you're going to have all these things take place. That's why children are rebelling against their parents. No fathers in the home. No authority. And Jesus said, you know, I mean, um, David says in Psalm, uh, I believe it's Psalm 27, where he says, if your mother and your father forsake you, then the Lord will take you up. God just wants you under proper headship. You know, and that's why most marriages won't make it if the man is not a man of God. Things need to go in the order that God meant for them to be. So he says, nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. So in other words, you know, Eve came out of Adam, and then from there Eve became the mother of all living. But there is no man born or alive today aside from being coming out of the, the woman. All right, unless you're talking cloning today, but we're not going there. But the point is, is the two need each other. God meant for them to be fruitful, to multiply, and to replenish the earth, not to pit them against one another is what you see the devil doing today. For as the woman is of the man, even so the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that it is that if a man have long hair, hair, it shall be a shame unto him? But if the woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. So a woman's hair is her covering, but we're also talking about falling on the proper headship. And, you know, it is a shame for a man to have long hair, and that's why you see a lot of men with long hair today, Satan destroying the image of God, man believing that it's okay to have long hair and look like a woman. 
and and don't bring me any Nazarite stuff or any of that because that's not even going on anymore. But it's also speaking of the authority that the head of every man is Christ. A man shouldn't have many leaders in his life. He should eventually mature to the point where Christ is his head and he does what the master says to do. Okay, so what you're finding here is when a man has long hair, not just physically, but it's also speaking spiritually that if a man's hair is long, if he's covered by this, that, and a third, I mean, being a man in a church for 50 years underneath a pastor, you know, and you've never matured to Christ being your head, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. But this is all a part of the curse of Adam, this idolatry, this willingness to want to serve another man instead of being the image of the living God that God had made. All right, so I want to move on. Um, If anyone wants to add anything, they can. If not, the next place I want to go to is Romans chapter 5. And you see, this is why the the Lord tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 about the effeminate man, that he will not make it into the kingdom of God. Because an effeminate man is a soft man. He's a weak man. He's a man that will take pleasure over God. And God is not going to allow anything like that again in his presence. Jesus even asked the people, you know, who did you think was going to represent me when John the Baptist came? Did you believe he was going to be a little reed shaking in the wind? Did you believe he was going to be a man clothed in soft raiment? He says, if you're looking for those cowards, and I'm putting my own spin on this part because I understood what Jesus was trying to say. But if you're looking for those men, they like to get their hand and nails done and all that other stuff, man. Those guys are in king's palaces. What God is looking for is a man that will serve him. You know, so I'm sorry. You're going to make a point. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, you know, I just want to bring up this point about, you know, knowing that we're living in the last days in Second Timothy chapter 3. And, you know, we've gone over this many times, but it's just good to recap on it. Just know also that in the last um, that in the last days perilous times should come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And such turn away. We all we know that all this stuff is going on, but the main thing I want to look here is lovers of their own self. You know, because That's it's right. like if, if we're if we're idolizing ourselves and we're not looking after and following after Jesus Christ without loving our own selves, if we're born with a sinful nature, then that's where all this stuff spawns from. Adam and Eve loved themselves more than God. And because of that, because we now have that sin nature, if people are not constantly, when we're born again, like he said, we have to be born again for the spiritual warfare to even start or that we even know that it's there. And now we see everyone else, but we have to see how we once were. Like you said, people are, this society pushes up, you know, pushes up pride. It pushes up women. You know, like I've talked about before, me being a former military really pushes up women today, but it pushes a person above who they really are. 
and you put that uniform on, and, man, you just feel like I'm all sorts of something. And it's really, you're not. I mean, but that's what it's trying to do. And we have to realize what Satan's agenda is, and it's to push up himself, it's to push up the flesh, and it's to push Jesus Christ and his authority down. And that's what it's all that's that's what it's all about, and we have to we have to see that because take for some women who've not been healed of their past, and let's say they they horrible things have happened to them in their past by by men or or something like that. Well, if that's not broken free from them, every time the Jezebel spirit is mentioned, it that's going to perk up in them, and they're going well. Wait a minute, didn't it say this or didn't it say that? And it's like wait a minute, this is what the scripture says. You can't fight against the scripture. You've got to be healed of things that have happened to you so you can rightly divide the word of truth. That's right. Amen. You know, and that's one of the things that we just need to pay attention to because you know what killed Jesus was totally the effeminate man. That's why these little cowards were always hanging around. Okay, always trying to see where Jesus would slip up, just like the serpent. Always trying to tempt him in some sort of way. But you notice they never really just came at him bold. They always tried to, oh, master, we just found out this and that. You mm-hmm. see, they were very subtle. They were, they, were, they were fake. They needed to be in a crowd to confront him when Jesus was out there in most cases by himself because his head is his father. You see, and this is why we won't stand up against criticism, against scrutiny, uh, against all the things that are not of God to win people to Christ, because many men today have become effeminate. And if you want to look at the meaning of that word, this is G3120, and it says soft, soft to the touch, metaphorically in a bad sense, effeminate, of a catamite, of a boy kept for homosexual relations with a man of a male who submits his body to unnatural lewdness of a male prostitute. Okay, so this is kind of like what you're seeing, the effeminate man. That just gave uh, six different definitions of what effeminate is, and none of it spoke of a a strong man. None of it. It just took it from one deprived state down to another. But you see, look at how Adam's curse is even allowing women today to look for men like that. What happened to a two-fisted lunchbox-carrying man that spoke the truth and, and, and didn't have any problem with just telling people like it is? Now you got, remember from the 80s, you got Michael Jackson, you got Prince. These guys were brought out there for a purpose. And then what happened? Women started finding that look more attractive. You had Morris Day. You had the Barge. You had all these different groups. With that long hair, women like men, even in Europe with these rock bands, most of those men came out looking like women. But this is, this is all a part of the curse because the devil tried to effeminize Adam. He couldn't do it without Eve. And what you're finding today are these silly women going after effeminate, tender, sensitive men instead of going after the man that loves and knows God that would do anything for him. And what these women don't understand is that is your protection. Your protection is a man of God. I'm not saying he's above Christ. No, Jesus Christ is everyone's protection. But when things fall in proper headship, 
You need a man of God and stop looking for these weak wimps, okay, that don't have enough in them to even want to be truthful and tell people what's going on. We got to be men and women of God. I'm not trying to make this personal or take this to another level, but I'm just saying in every part of society, look at how Adam's curse is affecting people. Look at the weakness that you see in man today when it wasn't even supposed to be that way. So let me make the point. Let's go to Romans 5. Time to get on to some serious stuff concerning our Lord and Savior because it's all about him anyways. So it says, Romans 5 and 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So just like what Adam lost, Jesus came to give back the Holy Ghost. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for you, I mean, uh, for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Okay, so Jesus came to intervene for all the work that Adam did, okay, to destroy man because Adam thought of himself, all right, that Jesus Christ is going to redeem us from what mistakes Adam made. Thank God for Jesus. Verse 11, and he says, And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, from that all have sinned. Okay, so we all became sinners, as we talked about, because of Adam. Because of one man, death entered into the world. And there's nothing we can do about that except get off the ship to death and receive Christ. Look at verse 13. So it says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed, uh, sin is not imputed when there was no law. So you see, there was, when there was no sin, there was no law. We just discussed that. Look at verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is um, by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So what Adam came to destroy, 
Jesus came to restore. Verse 16, and not as it was by one, not as if it was one, it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. So he's saying from Adam's fall, from Adam's big sin, his mistake, well, his transgression, I may as well say, he knew what was up. But the thing is, is Adam didn't even, no, Adam did murder. Adam did fornicate. If you look at Adam's life and what he did, disobeying God, he committed all those sins, although he didn't physically do them. But because of that, all these sins that we have today were given life. But, you know, just how all these things were done, Jesus Christ committed one act. He sacrificed himself in his shed blood, the blood of God, that we would be redeemed. So, you know, because of that, all of these offenses are now ceased in Christ. All right, so verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned, by one, by one much more, they which are received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did, did much more abound. So what he's saying is he gave the law for us to keep, and if we obeyed the law, you know, it was, I mean, it had some good to it, but it didn't really hit the root of the problem. We talked about before, like, if you were to look at Sharia law, they believe in if you steal, cut the hand off. But what the problems, what the person's problem is not having your hands cut off and it's not being a thief. It is the very nature that you inherited from Adam, okay, that God wants to set right. If your hands are cut off, you can still be a thief. You can have somebody steal for you. It didn't change your heart. It probably made you more bitter. It made you live in fear, but when the opportunity comes again, you best believe that person is going to try and grab something with their mouth and run off. Why? Because the nature within that they inherited from Adam has not been dealt with. So this is what we got to understand concerning what Jesus did. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So we can't walk this walk without grace. And that's what people ought to understand. You are not going to be sanctified fully the moment you come to Jesus. Those thorns and thistles are there, and they have to be worked out in Christ that you may become a new creation. And that's why the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. So unless we have Christ in us, living in us, dictating what we do, doing all that he tells us to, then we fully can't serve the Lord the way that we want to. So it's important that we understand that if we give it to Jesus, 
we will allow God to undo what Adam did. Other than that, you're living under a curse, and it's just that simple. So Sarah or or, or uh, my brother uh, Michael, I don't know where you are right now, bro, but if you want to add anything, you can. And then from there, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You want to add anything, Sarah? Uh, no, not really. I mean, this is all just hitting the nail right on the head because, uh, I mean, if people can't, if, you know, it's interesting how atheists want to say, and I guess atheism is one of my pet peeves, or forgive me, but it's just because people, they were, it's rather, it's it's easier for them to say, oh, there's something else out there than just to admit to the simple fact that they hate God. Because to admit to that means that you understand and know the presence of God is there. You just hate him. And so it's exactly. easier for them to do that than to say there is a God. So that way they're, they're not accountable for their sin nature. They, they, you know, they just basically like closing your eyes and hoping no one sees you. It's so exactly. and The truth is out there. It's out there. And we have to see the truth, but because of this downward spiral fall that the church has fallen under, and mm-hmm. the fact that people are not studying to show themselves approved anymore, and they would rather fall under a, a, a building rather than what the Word of God says. And you and I experience this all the time when we go out and talk to people, you know, and People thinking that religion and being a Christian is the same thing or being a follower of Jesus Christ is the same thing. And one thing I want to point out here, and I'll give it back to you so you can finish up, is two of the three times, actually I I would say all three times that the word Christian is mentioned in the New Testament was not in a sense of, uh, the word that, how it is used today. You know, the first time in Acts, like it's mentioned before, is uh, look at these little Christians or these little Christ-likes. It was not used in a favored manner. It was actually used to degrade the disciples and the followers of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. The second time was when Paul was standing before, uh, I don't remember his name, but he said, you had almost persuaded me to be a Christian. But Paul mm-hmm. was not in a, a, a good setting he was before the governor, I believe it was, when he was, he was going through all these people because he was going through persecution. And then the last right. time it's, you know, uh, where it says it in, um, I think it's in first or second Peter here. Um, excuse me, let me find it real quick. Uh, yeah, it's in... Uh, I don't know, it's here in Peter, but that's the thing. Oh, yeah, and if any man suffers as a Christian. So that's his, this is First Peter one, uh, 5, excuse me, 4 and 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him, be, let him glorify God on his behalf. So everyone's got this really wrong picture today of what a Christian is supposed to be. And that's one of the reasons why we're in this 
that we're in today, the spiral downfall. That's why we're, you know, but the, God even said this in his word, that the remnant was not going to be a lot of people. It's going to be a small amount, small number of people. It's always been that way. And that's how it, that is how it's going to be today. Those that really want to hunger and thirst and follow after righteousness. And just because someone uses the King James Bible does not make them a Christian. Satan quoted scripture to Jesus Christ when he was in the wilderness. So what makes us think that the pastor is not, you know, got is not full of demons and trying to push his own agenda? This is why we ha- everyone has got to be broken free of man's teachings, and we have to follow the word of God because if we don't, we will be get we will get taken away. That that's just that's what's going to happen. So I give it back to you. No, absolutely, and that's a good word. That's a great point that you brought forward because it's even affecting church and, you know, religious settings and things like that. Once Adam was moved from the face of God, the devil pretty much had his way to do whatever he wanted. And you see, because of that, people are trying to find which God is right today. This is Mm -hmm. why people followed Nimrod, because at one point Adam and Eve were walking in the garden in the cool of the day with God. You see, Adam and Eve even had something that not even Moses, not even Elijah, not even any of those that you consider great today aside from Jesus Christ, none of them, and that even includes the disciples. And I'm only being up front, not that they weren't full of the spirit to work, but they walked with Jesus Christ. So as a disciple, you get to walk with Jesus Christ the same way that they once walked in the garden in the cool of the day with Christ. But imagine having no laws. Imagine being fully led of the Spirit. Now, I would say the disciples in many ways were equivalent to Adam and Eve. The only problem is is that they had to still till the ground. But how many times did God perform miracles for them so that they could eat? So, you know, once you tap into the Holy Ghost, you pretty much take it all the way back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Your pleasure is to serve the living God, you know, and to bear fruit and to produce more, okay? So let me uh, get right back into this. So this is 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at verse 19, and it says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, and man came also the resurrection of by man also came the resurrection of the dead. So Adam brought death, Christ brought life. Verse twenty two. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the then cometh the end. Uh, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall put when she when he when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, and he must reign till he have put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he that put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted that he is accepted which did put all things under him. 
And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all and in all. Else what shall they do, which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are why are they uh, then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die daily. So, you know, you die out to self so that we can have the life of Christ in us. But he's making very clear here that all things have to be subdued unto Christ. When Jesus said, I have overcome the world, be of good cheer, this is what he expects us to do, to be overcomers, to work our way outside of this world that we might be like Christ. All right, so let's scroll down a little bit. I want to get to, um, let's see, uh, let's start at verse 41. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, just like Adam. It is raised in glory, just like Christ. It is sown in weakness, like Adam. And it is raised in power, like Christ. It is sown a natural body like Adam. It is raised in a spiritual body like Christ. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So this is something that we got to understand about Adam, even though he was the son of God. The Bible makes that clear and um, and in Luke chapter 3. But the point here is is that it says Adam was made a living soul. So he was made with a with a um a mind, a will and the emotions and he had the spirit of God. But Christ was made a quickening spirit, meaning that as the spirit yielded, Christ went, Christ did. Okay? So Jesus was led by the spirit. Adam I think in some ways was still learning how to how to walk in that you know, how to be righteous in that sense. But Adam didn't even follow the first few commandments. Jesus came directly from the Father, so he naturally had knowledge and love of the Father above all because he had a clear perspective of what was. What is God trying to give you and I? A clear perspective of what is so that we don't make these mistakes. Verse 46, how be it that, uh, let me see, one second. Tablets giving me trouble. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. So as you can see, you've got two different types of natures here. What I'm saying to people, if they're tuning in and they're not born again, this is foreign to you. All that I have said tonight concerning men and women, disease and everything else, even the creation of God, because you're probably an atheist, all of what I'm saying is foreign because you've got an earthy nature which gives you a carnal mind. 
that you can't receive the things of God. So this is why we've got to pray through and ask Jesus to come unto us so that we can receive. Because the second man is a heavenly man. It's a man that minds heavenly things. It's a man that looks for a new and living way that is of God and not of the old nature of Adam. So then it says, and as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Now you know why God kicked them out. Behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So remember those thorns and thistles that they said would plague us and sorrow all of our lives? In this day, at the coming of Christ, if we yield to him now, we will be raised in glorified bodies. Okay, yielding to what God wants us to. And somehow, I honestly believe, and I can't prove this, but I believe this is what Adam and Eve had until they sinned. I really do. I could be wrong, but, you know, I believe that the glorified body was something that God had given them, and that's why he said that they were good, but they fell away. You know, a lot of people like Derek Prince, he believes that the glorified body is a body without blood. You know, is that true? I don't know, but he has his um, way that he explains it, and it makes sense to me, you know, but I think God meant for man to inherit what he wanted him to so that he could grow. All right, so it says, um, I believe I'm in verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now, you know Adam and Eve, before they fell, they were immortal. They were not scheduled to death. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So what did Jesus do? Swallowed up death in victory. What did Adam and Eve have? Death, I mean, victory over death. But the devil ended up, you know, tricking them into being what we are today, afraid to die. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, you should be afraid to die. But we all know that when we give our lives to Christ, why we give messages like this, why we go out and we preach the gospel no matter where we are, we're giving up our lives. We're going after eternal life. So man can do whatever he needs to do to us to try and stop us, but our affections are on high. That's what gives us the courage to do the things that we do is because we believe in Christ and we believe in his finished work. We believe in eternal life. But you see, Adam will always be afraid, just like he turned his wife in when he had partook in her sin. Adam will never serve the Lord because Adam was given over unto his own pleasures. Adam has a natural mind, not that of a spiritual mind. So you've got to understand, we've got to transform. We've got to change. We've got to be born again so that Christ can live in us. That is your only hope. So he says in verse 55, now look at how Paul, with the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, teases death. 
He's laughing at death. He says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. So there was no sin. There was no fear of death until there was sin. So the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. Why? Because once you sin or once you fall out of God's graces like Adam and Eve did, then you start to think about sin. If you're living righteous, there's no need to worry about it. If you're doing what God says, the Bible made clear in 1 Timothy 1 and 9, that the Lord was not made for a righteous man. Okay? So once we were given the spirit, we have the chance now to be like Christ and not like Adam. Verse 57 but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, just like Christ, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So what God promises us, he will repay. But death has no sting. Death has no victory over those who have chosen Christ and not willing to abide in the curse of Adam. So I want to go to Romans 8, guys, and I am done. Romans 8, and I'm done. Praise be to the Lord that we don't have to live as we were. That's the goodness of the Lord. He saw us in our deprived state. And you got people that know this. They won't even take the offer. Let's look at Romans 8. Let's look at verse 1. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So when Christ came, made a sacrifice, we don't have to live with our heads down anymore, beaten up and cast down. You know, we can accept Christ, become full of the Spirit, and obey what he tells us to. Verse 4 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So what is the righteousness of the law? The law of the spirit, where there is liberty. He wants us to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, which is something you cannot do outside of having the Holy Ghost, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to, to hang all the law and the prophets on this. So he says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. If you're after the flesh, you think like the flesh. Adam was after the flesh. Adam thinks about the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. This is why my brother Michael and I, and this is why Sarah, my sister and I, my sister Melissa, and so many out there, we can talk about the Lord all day long. Why? Because that life of Christ is in us. The only thing that matters to us is eternal life because we don't like this world. We know who it belongs to, and we need to move forward with him. I mean, move forward with Jesus, not the devil. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded, 
be like having the mind of Adam or the one you live with with all your life is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is the enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So as you have a carnal mind, you have to, you've got to get the mind of Christ. You've got to give your life to him so that you can see things from God's perspective. Outside of that, Adam is the enemy of God. Adam was given it all and only one commandment, and he still chose his wife over the Lord. Okay, so this is why Christ needs to be our head. Verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Jesus Christ, he is none of his. You see that? You're just Adam aside from Christ. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So when Jesus Christ fully forms in you and I, we are life because of righteousness. Okay, because of God's goodness, because of being led by the spirit every day, every moment of our lives, that we can't sin, we can't fall if we just yield and wait on the Lord and his instruction which is what Adam and Eve did not do and what most of us don't do today. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him is raised up, Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ uh, from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. So we don't owe the flesh anything to live after the flesh. This is what he's saying. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. What did Adam do? Live after the flesh. So he died. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So God, Jesus Christ, gave us his spirit that we may search after him in a new and living way, that we don't run back to the sinful life that we had, that we are given a chance to have all that hurt, all that sorrow, those thorns and those thistles pushed away, that we can be as we once were before the fall of Adam as the sons of God. I'm telling you today, you people out of love, give your life to Christ. You've got no idea where your pain and your hurt and your suffering comes from, so hopefully we've made it clear tonight. But I'm just just telling you, he is your only refuge. He is your only peace. He's the only thing that's going to make happen what needs to happen, okay? You will not have God's glory without yielding to God. This world is going to chew you up. It's going to spit you out. So I'm just telling you all, but I'm telling you today, and I haven't fully figured this out either, but every day I'm learning to live stronger for Christ. When? Until Christ be formed in me. That's what the labor is about. That's what being a Christian matures to. 
being like Christ. Not just being like him, but having his very spirit live in you. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity. Stop living under the curse of Adam. Give your life to Jesus so that you may avoid this sinking ship and be raised unto eternity with Christ who loves us. So I just want to say to everyone there, you know, that's what I have for tonight, bro. I don't know if you're still on or what's going on with your situation, but we'll pray for you as well. So I guess if if Mike is not, if he's okay with that, we can pray out now if no one else has anything else to add. Yeah, finally, things finally stabilized on my end as far as the Internet connection. I don't know what's going on. Dropped me at least three dozen times, and so... (laughs) Anyways, mm-hmm. so it goes. Good teaching, brother. Um, Amen. For what I could, for, for what I could hear, so I only could hear about half of it because it kept dropping me off. So, right. but uh, yeah, let's pray out. Let's do that. All right, good. Dear, dear any Father, thank you for this opportunity uh, to hear uh, from our brother Derek and to hear from your Word and to the truth and our situation the fall of man and of uh, Adam's curse. And, hey, God, help us to put our faith and trust in you and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that uh, really is nothing else really in this world for us outside of our Lord. So, um, God, just please bless this uh, teaching that it will go out to those who need to hear it. Uh, bless uh, Derek and Sarah uh, for their contribution and being part of this. May this uh, teaching be a blessing towards you, God, and um, we just say thank you for your many blessings you give us, and uh, thank you for that we still are able to record the the teaching, you know, on my end, uh, there's lots of text, but that's okay. All praise and glory go to you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I also want to pray against this satanic attack. Lord, this is just more confirmation. They wouldn't attack my brother if he wasn't telling the truth. They wouldn't attack us, Lord, if we were not telling the truth. The enemy is only going to attack that which is not of him. But I pray, Lord, just like my brother did with your grace, that you have given us the opportunity to record this message regardless. And as you mean for your word to be preached throughout all the kingdom, all the world, okay, the kingdom of heaven being brought, that there's nothing that's going to prevent this. So whomever you are, whatever principality, whatever power, we'll pray for you. Because I know, you know, there, there, there are people that are involved in this. We'll pray for who the enemy is controlling, that they really find Christ, that they understand that if they don't yield to him, that they will be ground to powder. But if they give themselves to him, he'll break them and make them over. So, Lord, I pray that you lay not these sins to their charge. I pray, Lord, that your people just be set free. And I'm grateful to you for such brother and sisters that take your walk very seriously. I just pray that you anoint these messages, that people give it all to you. I pray that what we said or what we did tonight glorify you and not ourselves. So, Lord, let your righteousness be in people. Give us more grace. Give us more time that we may become more like you before you decide to seal this whole thing up into eternity. So we just thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord, because you were good. We love you, Lord, because you have chosen us even at a point when we weren't. 
And while you still labor with us in long-suffering that we get it right, Mm -hmm. we just pray, Lord, that we remain in your grace, that we frustrate not the grace of God nor your spirit, but that we walk with you as the way you have called us to from the very beginning. So we just want to say we thank you, Lord. We love you. And, you know, just just thank you. I, I'm without words right thank now, you, so I'll close. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, brother, I guess it's up to you if you're going to close out or what you're going to do. But, um, yeah, yeah, you could that. Okay. Sounds good, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And um, I'll let you know when it's ready to be posted, okay? All right. Sounds good, brother. We love you. Be safe. Same to you. Talk All to right. you guys later. Right. God bless right. you. Bye. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart.